Welcome to On the Wet Coast, a podcast about sexuality and ethical non-monogamy of every variety. We talk polyamory and swinging, monogamish and open relationships, from dirty, dirty sex to heartbreak. We share our personal experiences and philosophy, observations and theories, what works for us and where we fucked it right up. Join us on the wet coast. You can tweet along with us, hashtag on the wet coast. You can follow us on Twitter at wet coast cat, that's cat with a K, at serious flick, at on the wet coast. You can email us info at on the wet coast.com. All relationships require communication, but good communication is even more essential in ethically non-monogamous relationships, where multiple people's needs and wants intersect. Each partnership has its own needs and rules for disclosure. How and when to make new information known can be one of the big challenges in non-monogamy, especially when saddled with baggage from monogamous upbringing. On this episode of On the Wet Coast, Flick and I talk disclosure. All right. Good evening. Welcome to On the Wet Coast. I'm Kat Stark, and tonight I've got with me... Sirius Flick. All right. So we're going to talk about disclosure tonight. Um, and as we were discussing the episode in advance, we thought that another name for the episode would would possibly be transparency. But I kind of liked the active aspect of disclosure, because that's sometimes what is problematic in a relationship. Like the idea of transparency is great, but I think sometimes it's actually the act of disclosing that is where people run into trouble. No, that's a good point. Like I think for transparency, a lot of the time people are like, you know, Hey, I'm an open book. Ask me anything. But disclosure is, you know, is kind of about, yeah. Like as you described it, the active, um, active sharing and, um, you know, and so disclosure in a nutshell is about um, what you share with who. Yeah. Well, uh, why do you want to disclose things to people? Like, why, why do we talk to one another? Well, I mean, the, for me, the biggest reason is just about authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's about, you know, not feeling like you have anything that's, that's private or secret. I remember uh, many years ago, um, someone sharing the idea with me that um, when you withhold information, you're actually not saving yourself any trouble. You're really just delaying something that would probably be inevitable. So if there's going to be negative consequences to something that um, that, that is, is actually going to, the consequences are actually eventually going to be fully realized one way or another, even if that information does remain secret indefinitely. Mm, but there are there are effects and consequences, even when it doesn't come out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and so because you know the the thing that you're trying to keep private, um, that that actually does um, spill out into your life somehow. And yeah. so and so even if you do manage to keep, to keep the specific things. Uh, under wraps that the actual effect that um, that would have been realized from sharing those that actual effect is is inevitable in some way yeah yeah and we're not talking about um, this whole like sort of brutal honesty like share absolutely every thought that pops into your head um, or like if you're not you know, sharing absolutely every intimate detail with your partners that you're somehow living a lie. Um, This is much more about disclosing information that your partners need to have or that you need to have them know for an authentic life. There are some times when it's important to have secrets. um, And sometimes those are your own secrets. And sometimes those are other people's secrets. And so... We've definitely, in our partnership over the years, um, particularly you, are very good at at keeping secrets. And so, um, in in a good way. I mean, keeping confidences, I guess, is a better way (laughs) to say that. Um, I'm terribly mysterious. (laughs) But, you know, if someone tells you something and tells you not to tell anyone, I am included in the anyone. 
Whereas I know that some partnerships, you know, the the spouse or or sort of nesting partner is is not included in that. And anything you tell one person, you know, is information will get to the other person. Yeah, like um, I a couple of things I've always tended to err on the side of um, of keeping a confidence. So if I don't, if something seems like it might be a secret, I treat it as a secret. Yeah, and if. If it seems to or has explicitly been described as a secret, unless they've said specifically that I should share it with you, uh, I don't. Yeah. Because uh, I know that that a lot of the time when I'm sharing something with a friend, um, I'm uncomfortable with the idea of them sharing it with their partner. Yeah. You know this this is this is something between us, and so you know I uh, I've I've always been a fairly private person, and so. Um, that's one of the reasons I proposed the, the idea for this episode is because this is something that is a challenge for me. I'm a, I'm a private person. I tend to, uh, I tend to, you know, um, kind of keep things to myself. And so, uh, which may surprise you listening to my podcast about my <laughs> sex life. Um, but, but when they, when they compare how the two of us, you know, tweet and conduct ourselves online, you'll get a sense that one of us tends <laughs> to share everything and one of us tends to be a little more contained. So in, in addition to authenticity, um, the values of disclosure, um, you know, not just for ourselves, but for our partners, our partners have some reasonable expectation of what's going to be shared with them so they can make informed choices about their involvement with us. Um, additionally, uh, you know, related to what I talked about before about, you know, uh, the potential consequences, um, if you have tougher conversations earlier, then hopefully you can resolve those before they get really entangled and fraught. Um, and then obviously, you know, um, scheduling is a complicated issue in non-monogamy. Yeah. And so, you know, knowing about things so that, you, that you can both plan your lives around them is, you know, and, and obviously, um, anyone who does this without using Google Calendar, I have no <laughs> idea how you do this. No, I have no idea how you do this without Google Calendar either. And the rest of our life, too. Um, I had a very <laughs> recent moment where I was like, yeah, sure, Wednesday sounds awesome. And um, about three or four days later, I actually looked at the Google calendar and was like, fuck, no, we have a thing. And it's just like, why didn't I look? I know better than to say yes to anything without looking at the calendar. And, you know, and, and kind of related to all of this, um, you know, just managing expectations. Yeah. And that is always the big one that comes up, particularly for me, is like, I just, I need to know what's going on the, with, you know, with the way that my brain is wired. It's really important to me to have a concept of how my days look day to day or week to week and surprise things. Like sometimes I can be spontaneous. Um, but I'm way better at being spontaneous if you let me plan that ahead. Um, but let's it's... let's schedule some spontaneity. Okay, maybe Tuesday at nine we'll get some spontaneity going. Um, but yeah, like it's it's really important to me to know what's happening. And so if if if, if I you know don't hear of something until that day or like really short notice, if I find out it has been planned before that and that I'm only getting the short notice, this is when I'm likely to have a fairly negative response to getting the information and the like, why didn't you tell me about this sooner argument that has been probably the most classic argument of our marriage um, <laughs> comes up because, you know, I just, I would have wanted the information sooner. And yeah, it's, it's a really tough, tough thing to juggle well the script for that is is very specific it's like i tell you something and uh and you say why didn't you tell me this and i say i did i'm telling you just now but you know obviously what you meant was why didn't you tell me sooner yeah and you know and 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 for me it's um i 
I'm relatively indifferent to the timing about things. And so it doesn't occur to me that it's, it's problematic. And so, um, yeah, going against my, my normal nature of, of just, you know, not, not really, not really sharing things because, um, you know, it's, it's the classic procrastination thing. It's like if, um, it, there's a good chance things won't happen because plans get canceled a lot. So it's like, well, you know, I won't bother bringing that up because it might not happen. And, um, you know, and then, then it happens and, uh, I give you last minute notice and we fight about it. And, uh, (laughs) and that reinforces for you the thing that makes you hesitate to tell me because you're afraid of me having a negative reaction and that, you know, plays into the the cycle and of the negative reaction, which reinforces the hesitancy with telling me the information right away, which causes the negative reaction. And it just, it keeps snowballing that way. Um, so yeah, that's something that we have talked about at length and, and is, was part of the inspiration of, of having this discussion uh, on the podcast as well, because, uh, you know, there's a good chance that this has come up for other people as well. Yeah. So it's not like I've got everything figured out, folks. (laughs) Yeah. And if they've read my blog, they sure know that I haven't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's really easy for, for issues in relationships to fester and if you're actually not talking about them, if you're not airing them out, that's much more likely to be happening. Yeah. And those tough conversations about whatever happens to be tough in your relationships, generally when you expose them to the light, it gives it a chance to to have the healing happen or to start looking at solutions. And sometimes you don't figure anything out and you need to just keep talking and keep talking. But these, these issues don't get resolved until you start talking about them. Yeah. And if you just keep that silent resentment of like, why does that person always do this thing? Or, you know, there's, there's this just repeat that just, you know, sits and just pokes you every time it happens, or you're just watching them while you're having these feelings, it can get really, really ugly. And then there can be the 3am after too many drinks, you know what your problem is kind of discussions, (laughs) which we really don't recommend. And uh, I think we don't, don't, we don't really do that, do we? No, I I don't think so. but we have also learned about about timing for disclosure that, you know, like after t- 10 p.m. or like with low blood sugar or, you know, sort of if you've had a really bad day, like these are maybe not the best times to to have some of these discussions. Yeah, I, I bet a lot of people um, have tough talk at bedtime and and uh, that um, I would not recommend it. It's <laughs> yeah, and it's it's good to be able to just kind of put a pin in it and say, you know, I do really want to talk about this, but this is not a good time to do so, and and figure out when you can <laughs> look at the Google Calendar and yeah. figure out when you can you can uh, have the discussion again. Yeah, let's schedule a conversation. So how's how's tomorrow night? <laughs> and I know that you know. People with more complicated polycules actually do have to do this, but uh, no, it's it, like um, literally like scheduled processing time for yeah. and and uh, you know I'm um, I'm personally pretty fortunate to have a lot of work flexibility. So if you know a partner is in crisis, I can like you know talk to them largely any any time. But mm-hmm. but yeah, if I didn't, then like scheduling that sort of time would actually become very very literal and necessary no matter how glib we are about it in this podcast (laughs) so um kind of the the, one of the broadest categories of disclosure would be coming out and um you know it uh when when do you come out and to who um not just in terms of um you know your 
um, your open relationship status to the, the people in your life, but also, you know, to, to people that you potentially want to get involved in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and as they have talked about on the uh, Life on the Swing Set podcast, they've mentioned how coming out, you know, isn't really a binary, like you're not necessarily in or out. It's often um, a bunch of different stages to a bunch of different people that, you know, this person knows this and this person knows this. And, and it's not generally a big just Facebook blast uh, to everyone you know. <laughs> yeah, um, you, you, you don't have like a, a coming out ball like like uh, young debutantes <laughs> in the early 20th century. Yeah. It's um yeah and and for example um you know we're we're out to my mother as polyamorous uh and in fact uh she's met our girlfriend but we don't talk to her about like going on sexy vacations oh, no. and flying to other cities to fuck people and yeah. and that kind of thing and all of our other partners <laughs> and, and and all of our other partners because um you know i mean it, I, I guess some people probably talk to their mom about their sex lives but yeah. but, but we, it's, we it's don't it's just not our thing and um, you know, she has a right to not know things, which, you know, like, I don't want to know about her sex life and I don't think she wants to know about ours and that's, that's fine. But I like being able to be open with her, um, that we have someone really important in our life and, you know, she got the opportunity to meet her and, and that was really great. And we've had other friends as well, um, meet Iris and, We've, you know, gone to events together sort of as three or, you know, in our various iterations of two and and just been really comfortably, you know, demonstratively affectionate and, and that kind of thing and have had essentially no backlash to our faces anyway. Yeah, but, you know, I wonder if, if there is backlash that we're unaware of in terms of, you know, invites that we never got Possible. So, um, be, you know, because it, it has seemed slightly like the, you know, the, the social activity from our vanilla friends has, has cooled to some degree. And, yeah. And, um, the, um, the, probably the toughest thing for me recently with, uh, with, uh, coming out in terms of introducing Iris was, was basically with um, long familiar acquaintances mm. because with our friends, the people that we care about, we you know we kind of trust that they're going to have a certain degree of acceptance and love for us and and for that. Whereas you know recently we you know we we went to an event where there was there were a lot of a lot of people involved in this you know vanilla community and. And introducing her there felt, you know, uh, a lot more fraught for me than mm -hmm. in any other environment. Because I think because there, I didn't feel as safe about what what their judgments might might be about it. Yeah, yeah, and I can see that because there's not just the well, we know these two really well, and we see their relationship, and and we know what it is, and we don't know that they're not just a bunch of creeps yeah. yeah yeah and i think particularly with the you know dynamic of of the guy and two women that there's that sort of potential thought of of there being manipulation going on um that you're yeah. always really concerned to, yeah, to I was have. I was a lot more comfortable when uh, I stepped out for a minute and then came back and was no longer sitting in the middle. Yes. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they could see the affection between the two, you know, myself and Iris. So that it's like, oh, okay, this is this is a thing that they have. Yeah. Um, it's not just yeah, this other. You got a piece on the side that you do in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, which is one of the things you like about it. But. It, it is actually. <laughs> I, I do like that. Um, and in the interest of disclosure, we've we've had a couple of mimosas as we, <laughs> as we were preparing to record this. So I might I might go off to a happy, dirty place for a little bit. Thursday night mimosas should be a tradition. Mm -hmm. Actually, 
Um, so we we uh, we mentioned the the idea of dating new people and when to tell them you're non-monogamous. Um, and you know we like to do it up front, but um, but not everybody does that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, my sort of my main goal in life is to have it be as simple as possible. So I. And pretty much always going to want to have all the information up front. So, you know, I, like, I basically meet people on dating sites that I've said very clearly and openly that I'm non-monogamous and they've said that they're okay with that. And like, I, I front load as much information as I can because I don't want to get into a relationship and potentially like someone and then, you know mention my husband and them be like a little weirded out by that. And so that for me just would add a layer of complexity that I have no interest in being involved in. Um, Whereas for me, I've actually been out with, with several vanilla women who were not, you know, um, who were not actually not in relationships at the time. Um, and um, it's, uh, I, th I think some some people like to put it off as long as possible um, in order, you know, so that they, uh, I, I, I guess, so that they um, they can maybe get the person sort of warm to them before, you know, posting something that, uh, that might be a little bit, uh, positing something that might be a little bit challenging. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, sort of, you know, when, when we're, um, you know, basically on sort of a first date analog, you know, whether it's literally a first date or it's just, you know, uh, hanging out for the first time with maybe a little bit of extra energy. Mm -hmm. um, I'll execute what I call the flick maneuver, which <laughs> is, which is I casually mention my wife's boyfriend. And, um, and so I feel like this is a way of, of kind of, you know, making it really, you know, like it's, it's no big deal and, and kind of, you know, creating this, this sort of uh, balance. I think the first time I did this, you didn't even really have anybody that you could call your boyfriend. You mm -hmm. were, you were seeing a, a couple of people, but not, you know, not in, in any way that was like that, but this, it was, it was just uh, a shorthand mm -hmm. that, that helped to, uh, to kind of establish that pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think it can be a lot tougher for dudes, um, uh, potentially meet people. Um, it's just like, it's, it's slightly more challenging in general for, for guys to, to meet people. So having extra potential hurdles, uh, just adds to that challenge. Um, yeah. so getting a little bit of, of investment in you as a person, before letting this information out, like obviously before you become sexually active, that becomes, you know, a very important thing to be disclosing because, you know, there is the, the sexual safety thing that, uh, that becomes really relevant. And, yeah. and um, but, you know, yeah, I, I think, I think for, I think for some, for some people and especially for men, they, they kind of feel like when they're in, what is obviously a casual sex, just, you know, pick up, uh, hook up situation. They don't feel as sort of, um, they don't feel the impetus to share that. Um, and, you know, and, and, uh, you know, a friend of ours, she, she had a long-term partner that, you know, was like this, they were in an open relationship, but he wouldn't tell, casual partners about his relationship hmm. um and you know i don't i don't know like if you if you're if you're ha just like having contacts or you're you know you're in another city maybe but that's that's not how i roll and i would my preference would be that you know anyone that i was involved in it everything's above board mm -hmm. yeah yeah and um... I just much prefer, I would much rather, because I tend to prefer to sort of generate relationships, even if they're casual fuck buddy kind of relationships, that I want it to be ongoing. Um, like I, I don't 
for me, the the social investment and the stress of getting to know someone is so huge that like when I've invested that time in someone, I, I want, I'm hoping that that can be like a repeat occurrence. So I think <laughs> trust and, and, and disclosure is really important in that for me because of the way that I work. If I was someone who could easily have like casual sex on Tinder and just meet people and not need um, and not find it as stressful to get to know people, then I would maybe be less worried about that. But because I want to be able to, to sort of generate those relationships, even the really casual sex relationships that we're going to have an ongoing thing for as long as it works for us, I, I really need to be able to, to be as open as possible in those. Yeah, I, when, when, we, when we first started uh, down the open relationship journey, um, everybody drank. Um, when, uh, if you're playing the drinking game at home, um, I, I assumed that it would be casual sex. And mm-hmm. the reality is that it, it just hasn't. It hasn't been one night stand type things. And it's been, you know, um, I feel like even those relationships that are closer to fuck buddies or friends with benefits, um, it's still kind of a romantic friendship. Yeah. There's a certain level. Yeah. There's that intimacy and closeness that comes from that. Like I, I need to be able to want to spend time with that person. And, you know, if, if nothing else, just, you know, lying in the bed, you know, chatting for half an hour after or whatever. Um, and I think my relationships have been a little more casual than yours just because of how difficult it is for me to get to know people and, and to let my guard down and that kind of thing. Um, that, yeah, I really thought in the beginning it was going to be like super duper casual. And then I thought, Oh, well maybe I need these relationships. And then I tried that and then I was like, okay, no, maybe we need to swing back to somewhere in between the two. Um, because I realized I wasn't really, um, just capable of sustaining the whole more intense thing. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's been interesting with, with just how much it has sort of swung back and forth since we opened up and every time we were like, okay, this is how we're doing this, that it ends up changing a bit. But, you know, I just need to not have to be on guard with people and like, oh gosh, who can I mention? And what did we do? And, mm-hmm. and it's fun to be able to like talk about the lady bang or, you know, our shenaniversary orgy or whatever with people because it often generates really sexy things. And if I was trying to keep other partners from them or like feel like, oh gosh, I gotta watch what I say, it just, it would add this level of tension for me that I'm already wound tightly enough that <laughs> I don't really need any, any extra pieces to that well i mean that's that's interesting because that's that's one of the things that is that is challenging for me um you know especially uh with um you know having having dated um you know uh, vanilla single women is um is it's it's one thing to you know to come out as non-monogamous like i said it's super easy yada 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 my wife's boyfriend that's how easy it is. However, um, I feel like it's also important for them to know that we are sexually adventurous. I mm-hmm. think I think that 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 um, that otherwise, you know, if um, I could obviously just let them assume that whatever they wanted. Yeah, mm-hmm. And they might assume that it's just you and me and then also them. But I don't really think that it's fair to them. It's not fair to them to um, because if we get emotionally involved, you know, how much availability am I realistically going to have for them based on other partners um, and also making health decisions like if they need to know that that we're promiscuous and, you know, um, and how many other partners um, that, that I might be involved in. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, sexual health status is one of the, one of the biggest reasons for disclosure in non-monogamy. And I feel like, um, uh, I, I feel like any partner that, that I'm involved in, 
really um, should should know about, you know, um, at the at very least in general terms about um, about our promiscuity and and sexual adventurousness and if they want to know very you know very specifically you know i can i can give them a specific count about who and when so Mm -hmm. that because if if that matters to them i want them to be able to know Mm -hmm. yeah and i've never had anyone question me in that kind of detail but i am open to the fact that there are other people besides you and um that you know yeah, if anyone ever asked me questions, then I would be happy to fill them in on that. And and I've found that the whole sort of elevator speech thing is is usually really fairly quick and easy to do with people. And I've got a couple partners that I really don't see very often. And so it's often like, you know, three or four months between when we get together. And so usually we'll, I'll just sort of like maybe be kneeling, you know, on the floor about to give them a BJ and just be like, so, you know, has anything changed for you since we were last together? And just, you know, have a little quick rundown of things, you know, in case there is anything in either of our sexual history that, that needs to be revealed. And it's, it's usually just like that quick and, and, you know, I'm doing it with sexy touch and it can be like a really sort of part of a hot moment Um, or sometimes, you know, we'll maybe have done it over text, um, or just sitting on the couch chatting beforehand or whatever happens to happen. But I don't find that it interrupts the flow to even have it be part of like a really sexy moment to just, you know, stop and check in, um, on anything new that might've, uh, cropped up that's relevant. I wonder if there's, if there's, uh, if there's value to being, um, more explicit about it, right? So that there's no, um, because it, it seems like it'd be really easy just to let, let the, the, um, the status quo lie in that situation, right? Like, so it's like, you know, has anything changed? No, it's like a yes or no question, as opposed to, uh, just see what I'm getting at? Like, I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I, like I've found that that's what works for me. Um, and if they're lying to me, they're going to lie to me about whatever. Um, they could lie to me in a different kind of question. If, if that's a concern, um, you know, and I'm clear that we're talking about sexual health. Like, I'm, you know, it's not a vague, like, you know, <laughs> how was your day kind of, kind of question. Um, you know, I make sure that, that it's done in a way that that it's clear that's what I'm what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, like if they're gonna choose not to reveal, then there's not really a whole lot I can <laughs> do about that. So I'm not sure if there was a better way that you think that that should go. Um, I I was just uh, I I just I just had concern about the potential inertia of um, of. Um, you know, making, asking it in a, in a sexy moment as opposed to actually, you know, um, having a, a specific um, sort of active conversation about it. That's all. Mm. Yeah. Didn't mean to get all judgy on you. <laughs> so judgy. <laughs> well, you know, so there's a couple different ways. There's many, many different ways you can approach it. I found that this works for me, so... Yeah. I, I feel like the one of the one of the best things for um, for those discussions is um, is digital communication, right? Mm-hmm. So with with the um, uh, with the group events, having it oh, the yeah. discussion in the in the Facebook groups, um, and then even even with uh, individually, it it just takes uh, it just takes some of the sort of emotional anxiety about uh, about you know when when and how to bring that up. What's I going to feel like in in uh, uh, when in the moment? You know, break sort of, you know, breaking the the sexy flow to have this you know not really particularly sexy conversation and um, uh, you know when um, and, and you know and, and maybe we should talk a little bit about what we talk about in these things because you know before we went to desire, this was not really a thing I was particularly aware of. 
So the um, what, what we're t- when we talk about the uh, the elevator speech, uh, we're talking about disclosure of um, STI testing status. Uh, you know who you might be fluid bonded with, and um, and uh, you know just sort of the um, as as mentioned before the sort of the your your general play styles. Um, you know how you uh, specifically how uh, how you use barriers, um, and you know how many other partners you you might happen to have. Yeah, um, and that's definitely before play parties and stuff especially if there's new people involved, that's it. We, we have really overt discussions about that that usually just starts. And I've, I've always found the best way to go about this for the first time or sort of as a repeat for a play party kind of situation is to just reveal mine first. Yep. I find it a lot easier than asking is I will just say, okay, here is my status this is how I tend to play, you know, this is what's going on. What about you? And that usually, you know, spurs the person to give me, if nothing else, the same information back to me, you know, about all the different things. And so, and if there's anything we need to discuss, like some, someone who, you know, uses more oral barriers or, you know, times that I've had, you know, a canker sore in my mouth or something like that. So I'm like, I want extra barriers here, or I've got this, um, you know, cut on my hand and, and stuff like that, you know, like little extra things that I've, that I've wanted people to be aware of. We talk about it then, and it's a really good thing. And I actually have, have discovered, and I don't know whether it's something I want to do as part of the elevator speech, or whether that's something I will just do sort of as playtime starts is go over little reminders like please keep one hand for you and one hand for me um right and i will talk about that in play party situations and mention gloves and that kind of thing and it's often really great to have you know a glove on one hand and not one on the other so that you're aware like oh this is my hand for other people this is my hand for me or however you want to do it um but yeah i had I had experience with a partner recently and he'd started fingering me and I was like, was that hand just on your dick? And, um, and it's just like, wait, okay, no, if you don't get to put your penis inside me, you don't get to put your hand on your penis and then put your hand inside me. Like that's, (laughs) um, you know, and so just having those, those moments where he was just like, oh man, I didn't even think about that. Or like showing someone the, the trick of blowing in the condom before you, you know, so you can figure out which way it goes on because so often people will start to put the condom on the wrong way and then go, Oh, and turn it around the other way and start, you know, and you're like, no, 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 you need a new condom now. (laughs) Um, So like things like that. So I don't know whether to have like a little safe sex talk as part of the (laughs) elevator speech or whether to do it as I go, because I've been surprised by people who haven't known that information. Um, or like in a threesome where, you know, a guy sort of went from me and then into the other woman, like in the, with the same condom on. And I'm like, you just fluid bonded us. Like we've, this wasn't our thing. Like, oh, I thought you were like, it's just like, so it's, it's important to be more explicit in some of these situations than I've thought it would be. It's, um, it's actually really interesting talking about, um, you know, uh, start kicking that off by sharing your stuff first. And, um, and I feel like that's a great way of demonstrating the type of information you would like to know. Yes. So here's my answers to these questions that you have not asked. Yes. Um, and so it's kind of the implication that you're going to share an equal amount of information. Exactly. And it tells them what information you want back, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and maybe that's kind of um, an analog for a lot of communication strategies. So share what you are hoping that your partner is going to share with you as a way of kind of demonstrating kind of the level and degree of disclosure that you're expecting. That doesn't always work. And sometimes you need to, if you've shared information and the other person doesn't get back to you or doesn't, um, doesn't answer with the same kind of information that you're looking for, 
it's really important to then ask the question. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That that um, yeah, we're we're talking about disclosure, but uh, you know sometimes sometimes it needs prompting. We need to ask the questions. Yeah, we were we were discussing uh, disclosure of self. Uh, sexual health status and uh, one of the things that's often uh, has I've heard discussed in various things is especially if there is an STI present um, especially things like like herpes that are just so common in the population um, and HPV and that sort of thing that you know even the nurses at the clinic have said to me like oh yeah we just assume everyone has that like and it's just really casual kind of thing when I've been like well do you think I can get tested for um and it's basically she's like you've got it honey like we don't need to test it um it's like oh okay uh, I, I would like to be tested please yes um but uh, one of the things that Dan Savage often says that I think is really great um for that is that you know if you if you tell them this information and they freak out it tells tells them one thing about you and tells you a whole lot about them so you know you're probably you know avoiding much more um you know discomfort down the down the line by by you know having this bad reaction happen to the information that you've given them uh early on and it sucks but you know, you're, you're getting yourself out of, um, a longer term situation with someone who might be kind of shitty. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, um, people, some people have negative reactions, um, to, to things that are, that it's, it's just a health issue. And, um, and like you said, it, it tells you a lot about them and, you know, often it's it's just a matter of the the lack of awareness and the the stigma around STI. You know, yeah. it, you don't have the same kind of reaction to, you know, somebody having had chickenpox or the measles or, you know, or even something like mono, which is you know, um, can can have uh, you know some some pretty extended health consequences. But um, you know, because it involves your naughty bits, yeah. it, people people will will have some pretty strong reactions about it. Mm -hmm. And you know, and uh, just just like um, just like everything else related to disclosure, um, people's reactions it's 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 more about them and and less about you and. Um, you know, I can remember, you know, many years ago, um, uh, kind of, um, you know, uh, like really not wanting to go to a, go to a party and feeling, you know what, I'll just be honest and everything will be fine. And so, so I said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really not interested in, in going to this party. I, I really want to stay home. And, uh, and you were really upset. And I was, I was like, oh my God, this did not go the way that I thought it was going to go. Um, and, um, you know, but it, it turned out that this that this party really meant a lot to you, and uh, you know, and and if I if I'd known that, it wouldn't have occurred to me that you know this is something that I should that I should stay home for. But um, but yeah, it's it, um, one of the one of the tough things about sharing is knowing that the reaction may not be what we were hoping for, what even what we were expecting, and uh, just trusting that getting past that and in the long run it's it's going to it's going to be the right thing mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's definitely one of the the big things with disclosure is that yeah it's sometimes you're really not going to get the response that you were hoping for and having to figure out how to be okay with that and work through that um but that it is often still a really important thing to be doing anyway um and figuring out how to how to do that and you know as we talked about the sort of timing with you know time of day and blood sugar and um how fatigued the person is or if they've just had a total shit day at work or whatever like you're obviously gonna get different kinds of responses in those moments um but sometimes there's no good time to have a conversation and I find that particularly with, with long distance relationships that a lot of, of my more intimate 
connections are sort of in in my open relationships are with people who are far away and it's it's really hard to know when a good time is because you just have so little time that you actually get to connect yeah it's it's tough because um you know my my kind of um anxiety about the the reactions that 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 i'm going to get and um and you know makes me want to choose the right time which kind of inherently creates delays Mm. and so um you know i experimented with the idea of not trying to time it right like just just say it as as soon as um and that was terrible. That was, that was, that was even worse. So, you know, I try, I basically, I tried to take all the judgment out of it. And I feel like that can be where you go start, start to kind of veer off into the area of being, you know, a, a blunt asshole, you know, like where you, you just blurt and you don't really try to, to, um, kind of show judgment or compassion for your partner. It's just, you know what, I'm just going to get everything off my chest and here's everything. And now it is your problem. And so I feel like, um, you know, there's, there's a middle ground there where, you know, I'm, I'm shouldering my responsibility for showing good judgment about, you know, how and when to share it. Um, but, but also trying not to be too attached to how you're, you're going to react to it. Yeah. Yeah, and knowing that the other person's reaction is their reaction. And sometimes you just need to have a reaction and then you think about it and you're able to process it and, and you know, move forward. Um, but I know that a big part of my process is freak out and then get over it. Um, sort of with everything in my life. Like, it's just there's there's a moment of, like, big panic and then I figure out how to get through it. And sometimes like sees the brunt of that when he's passing on information. Um, but yeah, like me getting the information sort of as soon as possible within those reasonable you know, factors of not telling me super late at night or um, that sort of thing is, is an important piece of that just for my peace of mind, because it's always if I feel like there is an element of secrecy or a reason that he might be keeping the information from me, um, that that's when there's much more likely to be a negative reaction. And it's when I start reading the weird motivation into it, which, you know, is, is pretty much never there, but it's, you know, it's just all the, the stories that my head comes up with for it that, Yes. Well, I mean, there is there is motivation behind it. The motivation is a procrastination and and b um, trying to avoid conflict. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yes, it's it's a, it's a lot. It's not very nefarious. No. Yes. Yeah, so, so I guess yeah, it's not that there's nefarious motivation. But yeah, that perception of secrecy is often a big a big trigger for people. That that it's like well well, why was this information secret? So what else is, what else is behind it? What else is secret? What else don't I know? And and it can just start someone down a really scary pathway, particularly if they're prone to, you know, overthinking things. Please see the mental health episode (laughs) on the wet coast for more information on this subject. Yes. So yeah, um, let's talk about uh, privacy with partners. See, this is this is really uh, interesting because I feel like um, I feel like there, you know, a lot of people in open relationships have a degree of um, of disclosure about their other partners with their, you know, their domestic or you know, anchor partner, however you you like to describe your your long term living partner, um, that. Um, you know, they kind of default to kind of sharing everything with mm-hmm. with that person. And, um, you know, and, and I'm not sure that that's, um, that that's always 100% respectful of the of the other partners. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and where do you, you know, where, where is that line? Yeah, 
unfortunately, we can't answer <laughs> that question um, too clearly, but we can certainly discuss various things around it because, yeah, it is really difficult. And especially if you're maybe having problems with one of your other partners and you're looking to, to try to get some insight and to try to, you know, have a sounding board, you're often going to want to discuss things mm-hmm. with someone and keeping confidences while, um, you know, while being able to actually talk about things that are going on in your life is, is often a bit of a tricky balance. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and yeah, you, you might, you might feel like your, um, like your domestic partner has, might have some, some, you know, insight or at least be able to offer you some support as you're, you know, dealing with this challenging issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, yeah, where's, where's, where's the line? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like it, I feel like it, it depends. It depends mm-hmm. on your, your partner's relationship with that other person mm-hmm. and the sort of the, the nature of the, um, sort of the information and, um, you know, and the problems. Um, and, um, you know, and, and then there's, and then there's the question of, uh, you know, sexual exploits, you know, how, in what resolution do you, do you share your, your sexual adventures with other partners? Um, you know, my, for, for me, you know, uh, you know, my feeling is, and I, 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 I'm going to steal a bit from Dan Savage here. Um, you know, your, you have some ownership over your sexual experiences. Mm -hmm. And so these are things that you're allowed to talk about. And so I feel like talking about them with your, with your partner, um, unless there's something that is specifically private, something mm-hmm. that that partner has asked you, you know, uh, not to share something that, you know, maybe is, um, you know, kind of, uh, uncomfortable in, t- in terms of, you know, their, their kinks. Um, but, uh, but yeah, for, for me, I feel like the, you know, the, the default of, of, sh- you know, sharing and, you know, in, you know, fairly, fairly, uh, high detail is is probably pretty fun yeah and i've i've found that asking if i can share things with you often like it sort of brings a a response of oh of course like and people are (laughs) you know sometimes very surprised that i've asked um but it can also bring a little bit of a zingy kind of Mm -hmm, element to mm -hmm. like oh do you mind if i talk to you know, talk about this with my husband and, and that will, that will, you know, or even saying like, oh, I can't wait to tell him about this kind of this thing. And, um, that will often, yeah, generate some, some really sexy energy. Um, I think where it becomes sort of more of an impetus towards privacy rather than less privacy is when it comes to photos and texts and that kind of thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. We've, we've always been very conscious of asking people, um, you know, if you're sent a sexy photo of you asking them, is it okay if I share this with Kat? Mm-hmm. And, um, and some people, you know, give you the carte blanche where it's just, um, yeah. Oh yeah. Anything I send you, please feel free. And, and other people, you know, are more specific, like this is fine. Um, or, you know, you can show her this one, but you know, nothing else. And, and we definitely don't have the sort of open phone policy thing of, of just letting the other person read any, um, texts that we exchange with other people. Um, and we might, you know, with the other person's permission, talk about the gist of things, but, um, you know, we know that there are partnerships out there where that is part of how they do it, um, is to just share everything all the time. And this wigged me out the first time I encountered it. Yeah. And And I think it's very important for people who have that policy to tell the other people they're involved with. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because there are things that I would not text someone knowing that their partner's going to read, not because we shouldn't be saying that stuff, but because, yeah, there's, there's pieces of me that I want to share with them, but not with other people. Yeah. It's, it's like, that's, it's, it's, yeah, it's not because it's a, it's a secret, but because yeah, like there's, 
there's a part of me that that I that I'm willing to open up yeah to because of our connection but you know this is this you know in some cases it's it's someone that I I don't have much of a relationship with at all Mm -hmm. you know this this metamor might you know might be a friend or might be a you know practically a stranger and so yeah the idea of of you know that intimacy translating over there yeah it is going to curtail the types of stuff that I'm that I'm going to share, yeah. knowing, knowing that it's going to be open in that way. So, so yeah, I, I have I have no problem with the the open book partnership, even though my initial reaction to it is like, are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Like that first time, I was like, it's like that is that is so weird. But I've kind of I've, I've managed to get over it in the meantime. But uh, but yeah, like as, as long as somebody somebody tells me so that I I know. Yeah, you, you know, need who, to let people opt in to that kind yeah. of situation. Um, I, I guess at the at the far end of that is the is the don't ask don't tell mm-hmm. right which is where you have an, an open relationship but the the the, the agreement is um, I don't know about it I don't hear about it we essentially pretend that we do not have an open relationship mm-hmm. and um, and I feel like um, I feel like, ironically, I feel like it's important when um, when someone who's in a don't ask, don't tell relationship gets involved with someone that they are upfront about that. Yes, because uh, I feel like uh, I feel like for me, uh, it would need to be very special circumstances for me to want to be involved with someone who was in a don't ask, don't tell relationship. Mm-hmm. I I want. You know, I want there to be, you know, some degree of openness. I, I really don't want to feel like my relationship is a dirty secret. Yeah. Um, you know, and I do have a lot of compassion for people who are who are in relationships where, um, you know, there's 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 good and uncomfortable reasons that have forced them into that don't ask, don't tell mm-hmm. situation um, that, you know, that's that's um you know that that's what they what they've decided is going to solve their their uh, their sexual issues, and but uh, I just I want to know about that because I I don't really want to be involved in that. Yeah, yeah, and again, it sort of is a simplifying the life thing. Is like there seems like there's a potential for drama there that yeah, like that. What what, what if they accidentally be, find out? And, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, like I want to kind of feel like, like even if we never have a conversation or or meet or anything like that, I kind of want to feel like my metamors are kind of like we're kind of on the same team. Yeah, like we're cool. Yeah, like we're like that we're we're working together for this other this you know third person's pleasure and like that we're I don't know that we we kind of have this this neat relationship even if it's never. You know, if we'd never interact or in our entire lives, like there's like, I feel like we're kind of, we're kind of in it together and maybe it's just cause I'm a bit schmoopy, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, that, so I, I don't think I would be comfortable in that kind of don't ask, don't tell situation either. Yeah. Um, cause like, I'm, I, I want to be like all kinds of dirty, but <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be a dirty little secret. <laughs> So that seems about as good a place to end it as any. Uh, any final thoughts there, Flick? Yeah, I, I um, like I said at the beginning of this episode, this is this is a challenging area for me. I hope that our our thoughts have been have been helpful on it. Obviously, I don't have a prescriptive solution no. for how to solve this. Yeah, this is this is uh, this is an area where I'm trying to do better. And uh, if anyone has any ideas for us, uh, please share them. Yeah, contact at On The Wet Coast. We're always happy to hear from you. I'm Sirius Flick. And I'm Kat. Thanks for being On The Wet Coast. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at WetCoastCat, at Sirius Flick, at On The Wet Coast. You can email us info at onthewetcoast.com. You can read Kat's blog at onthewetcoast.com or on lifeonthesswingset.com. 
under the blog title, On the Wet Coast. You can also hear a lot more of Cat by buying the audiobook of Cooper S. Beckett's novel, A Life Less Monogamous, available at alifelessmonogamous.com. Enter code WETCOAST at checkout to save 10%. Our theme music is A Naked Gun, Bank Assault, by Francesco Dandria. Episode music is Puzzle Pieces, by Lee Rosevear. I'm Tina Horn, author of Love Not Given Lightly, and host of the Wired People Into That podcast. And you're listening to a Swingset podcast at swingset.fm. All right, so we're going to do a test. I'm test. testing as well. Checking sound, checking testing. I am also checking testing. <laughs> checking laughing. <laughs> Sometimes we get really loud. All right, test, test, check. This is my just casual talking voice.